0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Dowley. Our guest this week is John Bodie, President and CEO of the Corn Refiner's Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with John Bodie next Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about six commitments to make crops more efficient, rescue more farmland, help biodiversity flourish, reach and empower smallholders, help people stay safe, and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One planet, six commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Few industries have as much riding on trade with Canada and Mexico as the members of the Corn Refiners Association. President and CEO John Bodie says his members are encouraged to redefine trade rules under the North American Free Trade Agreement and have high hopes for the 115th Congress and Trump administration.
1: We really want to get this economy moving again. You and I both know rural America is hurting, and we need some economic development to get going, getting Washington regulations that are unnecessary and burdensome off of our backs. That's a big part of it, and Congress is moving very aggressively. They're moving with tax reform. They're addressing health care. They're going to be addressing border security, which could certainly be broader immigration uh, reform. Those are things that are all on the slate to happen this year. So we've been accustomed to... Not seeing Congress and and Washington do much of anything, but what's on the agenda right now is a very ambitious schedule of events.
0: John, within the area of regulatory rollback, are there specifics right now that you'd like to see further engagement? Uh, Are there particular areas, for example, like the bioeconomy, that would help your industry?
1: It's all the above, Jeff. I think, first of all, we don't want deregulation. We don't want a wild, wild west scenario. Uh, American agriculture and food is full of people who play by the rules. But we want rules that make sense, that really achieve the objectives that are intended and are not unnecessarily burdensome. And so one example is waters of the U.S. Everybody wants waters to be clean but the overreach in the rule that was developed by the Obama administration just needs to be addressed and I, I think the, the legality of what they did is hotly disputed There's spending litigation but we need that rolled back to a more common sense approach so that we avoid the regulatory overreach and the burden. We also need USDA and EPA to work together and not figuring out creative ways to hold back economic development, but to ensure that economic development can go forward in ways that are appropriate and good for the environment. Historically, the relationship between the agencies has been up and down. It sure has been down of late. We need that to get restored so that we can move forward in positive ways. Uh, also, the development of the bioeconomy has tremendous potential. We all know how important biofuels have been. Ethanol has made great contributions. But there's vast potential beyond that, increasingly plastics all kinds of uh, chemicals, bio-based, corn-based materials are replacing petrochemicals and detergents as well as, as plastics all over the place. So we just need for EPA to do some common-sense things to let that go forward. The science is on our side. It's a matter of scaling back uh, places where regulatory ambition uh, was, uh, really abusing the letter of the law, of trying to stretch it so
0: far. Agriculture groups felt that the waters of the U.S. were going far beyond what was intended in the Clean Water Act, uh, by basically giving the, the Corps of Engineers and the EPA carblast control of all land in the U.S. But there would also be similar arguments with regard to carbon. And while it does play into the biofuels area, it does affect some of your members and their everyday function.
1: Absolutely, Jeff. Just as Waters of the U.S. was getting into regulating water and bar ditches, under the greenhouse gas rules, what EPA said was they would regulate all significant carbon dioxide emissions. And uh, everybody understands that uh, there's, there's controversy about the carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuels and the effect on climate but no one in the scientific community has asserted the regular life cycle of plants and the carbon that's captured and emitted in that cycle is part of the issue. But EPA said they were going to regulate it. So they are out there uh, requiring permitting for bakeries where bread rises Brewers where they're fermenting the beer that's so precious to me and and of course corn refineries where so many products are made. And that is a big deal because it is absolutely a roadblock to development of the bioeconomy and the development of the very promising areas like biochemicals, bioplastics.
0: We continue to see a rollout of the Trump cabinet in the consideration process in congress scott pruitt to be the new lead of the epa we've heard about what uh, president trump wants with regard to environment and regulation what do you feel like he'll offer if he is confirmed
1: i have known scott pruitt for a number of years and uh, i feel absolutely confident that he has no hostility toward renewable fuels he has taken actions that were pro-renewables In other spaces, I think he was doing his job as Attorney General of Oklahoma on some things, but he's got a different client and a different job now as EPA Administrator. I expect him to be a lawyer's lawyer, and he will be very savvy about pursuing the policies that will get our economy going again and do that in a way that works through the absolute thicket of regulations and uh, pending lawsuits that makes it so complicated to accomplish policy change. And that's why he was a great pick for EPA, because he not only understands the policy, but he understands the absolute thicket of litigation and administrative procedures that have to be navigated to accomplish policy change.
0: We can debate the pro or the con of executive orders, but from the executive orders the president has signed, what does it tell you about this administration with regard to EPA?
1: I think it tells us that the president is determined to have regulation stop choking down economic growth and he is going to also move very boldly to pursue his objectives in that regard. We've seen plenty of controversy around some of his early actions, but above all, it says he is going to move boldly. He's going to get things done. There may be a need to uh, do some fine-tuning after some of those bold strokes are made but uh, he is not going to do a lot of hand-wringing. He is going to move boldly.
0: The last nominee announced was that for Agriculture Secretary and former Georgia Governor Sonny Perdue. John, what does the Corn Refiners Association, your producers and your members, need from the Department of Agriculture, and and what do you see as his immediate role?
1: Well, uh, we're real excited about the nomination of Governor Perdue. Uh, Governor Perdue understands agriculture. He has been, as governor and through his career, a real advocate for agricultural trade. And, Jeff, you know that agricultural trade is fundamental to the success of our economy. He is a champion of ag trade, and that's a first and foremost from our Secretary of Agriculture. More broadly, we need the Secretary of Agriculture to be A advocate for rural America, and so that as things are moving quickly in Washington, which can be a pretty chaotic town, we've got a loud, clear voice speaking up in all the central circles about the importance of advancing food and agriculture interests.
0: House Agriculture Chairman Mike Conaway told us on this program that we should give the president time to give them the opportunity to be successful in the bilateral negotiations that he seems to favor over multilateral deals. But John, there are a lot of agriculture that wanted a part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the 40% of the gross domestic product and the pending 65% of the middle class of the globe in that particular region. Do you think we can be as successful bilaterally as multilaterally? I think it's possible,
1: and I agree with Chairman Conaway. Uh, Chairman Conaway is super smart, and he is uh, absolutely a, a great advocate for American agriculture. The reality is the voters spoke real clearly. We had both presidential candidates talking about trade in a big way. Well, we were advocates for TPP. Uh, TPP is simply not on the table today. And the question is, what do we do to move forward? And I I think there are great opportunities with bilateral relationships, and we need to get our shoulder to the wheel and uh, help those come out in the best way possible. My key point in arguing on this is that I, I appreciate that this administration feels that key parts of our economy have been left out in trade considerations in the past and that they need to be given better consideration. And no problem with that and no problem with the idea, excited about the idea of more aggressively advocating for U.S. export interests. We need to build on the success we have had and I think this administration gets that. I know that Vice President Pence gets it loud and clear that we are not going to build our economy by turning our back on uh, what's been successful in the past. They are focused on building on past successes, particularly in food and agriculture, and expanding on those in other areas.
0: This administration wants to renegotiate NAFTA. Those are important markets for U.S. agriculture, and in particular, the Mexican market for your industry.
1: Absolutely. It is huge for our industry. Mexico is our, our number one export market. It's of vital importance. And we, we've we been hurt badly at times in the past when Mexico took actions to illegally bar some of our exports to Mexico. We we, we litigated those issues. We won, and we've had pretty good relations since. What What I would say is that Mexico has spent the last 20 years plus building their economy beautifully by advancing trade. And I think they are committed to trade and uh, good trade relationships. So I I think there is good potential for actually improving on NAFTA with a a more modernized trade relationship uh, agreement with Mexico and Canada.
0: What are the things that you would hope to gain, and, and what do you fear of loss?
1: We want to, of course, maintain market access. We want to enhance ways to resolve differences that may come up in sanitary, phytosanitary standards, so the non-tariff trade barriers area. Uh, I, I don't want to get into what could be lost because you know uh, it's so such an important market, and I, I don't, I'm not too worried that there's a, a lack of recognition of the importance of that market today among our leaders.
0: But suddenly the corn refining industry is caught in the debate over immigration and building the wall between the two countries in the proposition of a 20% import tax. As you're not directly affected as much by immigration as other portions of agriculture, still a 20% tax coming from Mexico threatens your trade. Uh, relationship.
1: Uh, Absolutely, and we are for free trade with Mexico and Canada, and broadly we promote uh, trade. So we are um, anxious, obviously, about some of the political theater that goes on, but I I think when we focus on what we see as the real-world viable options on the table, I think it is for building a stronger relationship of trade, so that our food and agriculture exports can remain strong to our two most important markets, Mexico and Canada.
0: John, when we talk about that 20% tax from Mexico, uh, when I met with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, they realized that as a part of that 20% tax, there may be relief from estate taxes. And some of the corporate tax reform that we're talking about may also be tied to that 20% tax. So this is not... A simple up or down or a yes or no decision.
1: You bet. There's still a great deal being discussed. We've got leaders in the House of Representatives who are very enthusiastic about the border adjustment tax that would be a 20% tax on imports and in essence not tax exports. And the reason is not just how it could uh, reshape trade relationships and be an advantage for for U.S. exports, but because it would raise a tremendous amount of revenue and allow uh, major changes in our tax system. And, of course, America's got the highest corporate income tax in the world, and that's been a major disadvantage for our economic growth. And cutting those tax rates would help build American economic growth. So uh, it's always tempting to look at a tax proposal in isolation, but the wiser view is to see its overall effect and uh, even provisions that might cause concern in isolation if they're part of a broader package that's doing a lot of good it makes sense
0: to do john your corn refiners association and a lot of the agriculture industry worked very hard and able to see the biotech disclosure legislation approved in congress last year in fact in a in a political uh, partisan environment one of the few pieces of legislation that was successful but now in the regulatory environment and the rollback on regulation, um, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's initial efforts toward rolling out regs to implement that law are in question. Uh, is this just a period of waiting, or is this a concern for the loss of, of all the effort of last year?
1: That's a great point, Jeff. I, I don't think we're going to lose what was accomplished last year. We have a new law, and that law must be implemented and USDA will move forward to implement that law. And uh, I don't think there's anything from the White House to suggest uh, that the laws should not be implemented. What we have seen is some delays and questions about whether or not the first stage of uh, effort to get public comment will be done in one form or another. These are details What's really important is that this law is going to move forward. There are some real important issues at play for USDA to decide in implementing that law, and I, I think it's important that broad public comment be provided so that USDA can be well-informed and make good decisions.
0: Former Secretary Vilsack suggested that they would be very deliberate in researching and following the letter of the law obviously trying to stay above the litigation line. And now that that is falling on the new Department of Agriculture, and we would assume uh, that it would fall upon uh, what would be Secretary Perdue, he's inheriting a tremendous task there.
1: He is. It is a tricky challenge. I would say that the heart of it is the law is very clear in defining bioengineered foods that must be labeled. But the law also gives the authority to the Department of Agriculture to expand that definition and require labeling on other products. And there will be a big push from those who are anti-biotechnology to include everything under the sun and use the labeling requirements to try to discourage use of some new plant breeding technologies, and so that will be a big rub. The other part of this that will be really important in litigation is the label disclosure requirement. Is it truthful and non-misleading? Because if it is misleading, that raises constitutional issues and, of course, That always is uh, a lot of fun for the lawyers to argue about.
0: John, do you think we've had our last debate uh, in the Congress about food labeling?
1: Oh, certainly not. I do believe that this law has the biotech food labeling issue put off for quite some time. And if a good job is done with the rulemaking, I'm hoping for a very, very long time.
0: Well, John Bodie, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic, sir. It's an open mic, and you have the audience.
1: Jeff, I just appreciate you. We we need more voices for American agriculture, uh, so that uh, rural America is better understood, and and the tremendous contributions that food and agriculture make to our economy uh, are understood. Uh, We've heard a lot about manufacturing jobs. One of the things I like to remind people is we've got more manufacturing jobs in food than anywhere else in our manufacturing uh, economy. And uh, that's because we are standing on the shoulders of the most efficient and best farmers in the world. And that's a great advantage for America, and we need to be sure that uh, our policies allow
0: it to develop. Our thanks to John Bodie, President and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Kelly.